back. I guess I'm saying that for the last time this season. Pretty crazy to think we've done this for 12 weeks already. Carrie and I have had so much fun on this crazy ride with you all, and we have so many great ideas for next season. But the only way you're gonna know when the next season comes out is to subscribe. So if you haven't subscribed to us already, be sure to do so at your favorite podcast platform. And we hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. But we're not done yet. We have one last guest to introduce. Steph Maragna is not only our favorite client and friend marketer from Down Under, but she's also an extremely talented marketer with more than 25 years of event sales and marketing experience. She's currently the VP of Corporate Marketing and Events at Sage and is responsible for customer advocacy, partner marketing, analyst relations, and field marketing events, if that's not enough to be responsible for. And when she is not at work and she's able to take some time away, her favorite way to spend time is with her husband, her little boy, her Australian cattle dog, Cody, on her Sonoma County ranch. She loves to cook garden, beekeep, raise chickens, as well as support local charities, and of course, drink wine. You will see that she brought the bubbles today, which is going to be really important to help us dive deep into some of these best event mishaps and learnings we've had all season. So let's take a listen. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of Marketing Gets Real. We are so excited to have our fabulous guest, client, friend, Stephanie Maragna, join us. This is our last episode, and we have told Steph we have saved the best for last. Last episode of season one, so oh, we're going to go out one. with yes. a bang. Season one. We're going to go out with a bang, Steph. We're going to go out with a bang. So welcome, Stephanie. We're so glad to have you here. Let's just jump in. Why don't you tell us, what's your journey? What brought you from working in Australia to running what you're running here in the U.S. in 2022. So thanks, Kerry and Dana. I'm so excited to be here. And yes, I think you did save the best to last. I even bought my own (laughs) glass of bubbles to celebrate. (laughs) (laughs) I love you girls and um, I love working with you all. So thanks for having me on on the show today. So my journey, wow. Where do I start? I think, well, I'm an Aussie, obviously. So if you can't tell by my accent, some people mistaken me for either a Kiwi or or a British Ooh. or a South Ooh, African. We don't make that mistake. So, so no. I can get it all, but that's okay. I see it as my competitive advantage. It gets me free drinks <laughs> wherever I go. So I'm glad I haven't really lost too much of that in my time here in the US. But I started my career in sales, believe it or not, um, in Australia in my 20s. And I worked for a company you may know called Craft Foods in the consumer goods space. So I spent seven years in sales and and sort of consumer marketing for that piece, which was super exciting. I mean, managed a team of 10, 12 people, carried a bag, understand the nuances of what it's like to have a quota. And I think too, (laughs) when I think about it from a marketing perspective, I think it's made me a better marketer today, right? Because I have that understanding of what goes into, into sales and when I switched careers or transitioned, I should say, into marketing, for me, I wanted to go into marketing because I wanted to kind of bridge the gap and the friction between what you see in most organizations between sales and marketing. 
Like how can we be more synergetic together rather than being always at each other? I need more leads. I need more opportunities. Or you haven't done this for me or I haven't done that for you. So having that kind of sales understanding, I think, helped me understand what salespeople were looking for and what they needed, right, and building that gap and relationship between sales and marketing. So I switched into marketing. I happened to be in tech, happened to be my first tech. So a little bit of consumer marketing, but then into tech. So I started in a mining software company in Australia for five or six years. That's fascinating. Yes, I mining, mining software. Yeah. Actually uh, filled a maternity position who happened to be my girlfriend I did my MBA with. And that's how I kind of kick-started that and then went on to join mining ERP company, global company, about a thousand employees, $500 million company, and then transitioned to the United States. So continued the marketing journey in tech in Silicon Valley here. So, you know, worked at Mark Logic. I followed my CEO, did a, a stint at Salesforce, then to host analytics where he was the CEO there. And then I've spent the last almost five years with Sage Intact. So was it a lot fun. different, Steph? Was marketing in Australia any different than here? Any differences you would point I out? I don't think it's different per se. I mean, the, the company I worked with in Australia was a global company. So we had offices, 26 offices all around the world. I think the only difference is, is you just got to understand the different nuances in how you market in Australia is probably a little different to how you would market in the U.S., certainly in Latin America, South Africa, and then obviously in Europe. So I think it's just understanding how you do that marketing in each of the countries, which is one of the best things about being immersed in the, into the US marketing culture, right, is I've really got to understand that as well. But you can also offer guidance in how to do it in other countries as well. So things that we may do here in the US may not resonate in Australia and vice versa, right? So there's that. So, but I do think from a working perspective, I noticed some big differences. I mean, we would go down to the pub, like in Australia, you would like wrap up work on a Thursday and you go, hey, let's all go down to the pub. And we'd wander downstairs and we'd have a few drinks and you'd probably do that two or three times a week if you were open to it. And that was the biggest change I noticed when I came to Silicon Valley is nobody really did that. I had to go, come on, guys, can we go have happy hour? Yeah, please. <laughs> like like uh, that, it's like, uh, is that all we do? Just go to work? We don't hang out? We don't have a beer or we don't chill? <laughs> <It's> interesting. <laughs> so I That's tried to do happy hour in the office, right? And then we'd find a local place and we'd try and drive people to do like a quick drink after work. But it was so, that's what I found the most difference, right? Interesting. Yeah. And now you do happy hour in your office by yourself, right? Yeah. Right. That, well, that works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, that's all we do. Actually, right? I get my team on Zoom calls and we do happy hour over Zoom. Oh, we've been on some of the fun team yeah. calls with your yeah. team. Yeah. Yes. So fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, so Steph, tell us a little bit about your role right now at Sage Intact. What are you doing there? I've been fortunate the last sort of four and a half years to own the corporate marketing function for, for Sage Intact specifically. Sage acquired Intact almost five years ago. So I was brought in to help support the PR function, the analyst relations function, really build out our customer advocacy and content program, which I'm super passionate about, love the whole customer piece of what we do, whether it's internally or externally. And then also owning the field event, field marketing, piece, which is really the trade shows and working really closely with your sales team 
on what they require in territory to support broader demand gen efforts. And then last but not least, channel marketing. So, and I was fortunate to build a team of people under each of those kind of functional pillars. And that's what I've been doing for the last sort of sort of four and a half, five years. And I'm also a mum to a five-year-old. So I want to point that out because I think that's super important too. We don't just work. We could be dog mums. We could be cat mums. We could be kid mums. I was just saying earlier that my office is full of dinosaurs, right? So it's it's I think that's just an important part of what I do. And then in my spare time, if I have anything left, I love to lend my support. So I typically advise, I'm an advisory board member for SEMA, which is our corporate event marketing association. So I like to get involved in some of those and some of the nonprofits locally in my area too. So that's great. And you've also been a good supporter of women in revenue and helping with some sponsorships. And yeah, that's been some fun. unique programming. Yeah. Too. It's fun to we see those programs. was great. Yeah. 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 It's interesting, Dana, that we have had more than a few people that have started their careers in, in sales and then transitioned to marketing. And, you know, I would agree with you. It, it really gives a real good perspective because you do see marketers that start on the marketing side and don't have a lot of experience on the sales side. And it takes a little bit longer to really kind of understand the, the nuances of working with the sales team. Well, I think it also is blurs that line between he said, she said over there, right? And understanding what a salesperson is going through on their end of the job. And then you see how it, how it kind of gets married together. And I think it's easy to sit in the marketing side sometimes and say, oh, those salespeople don't work. Nobody says that, of course, but you know. Oh yeah, they do. <laughs> they do. <laughs> they do. I mean, My favorite one line is always when a sales guy says to me, you don't know what it's like to carry a quota. I said, well, actually I do. (laughs) I was there. It just didn't happen to be a software quota, right? It was still a revenue quota and yeah, super stressful. And, and yeah, you know, you had a lot of people riding on you to make sure that you made your quota, right? Because you had to make your month, quarter, year end, whatever it was. So Yeah. And I think it's quite interesting to watch their face when you say, yeah, I actually do. And it's almost like the tables turn a little bit and they go, oh, wow. Right. I mean, my husband's in sales. And when we were young, after getting married, he'd worked for a company where bases went away after your first, like so many months and it was straight commission. And I remember we had just bought a condo and he was like, my base is gone. They decided to put me straight commission because I'm doing so good. And you want to go, like, what if you don't get a paycheck? (laughs) You have to sell. What does that mean? But I mean, it's, I think it's, you know, come a long way since then. I don't know that there's many companies that do that still, but I mean, that was pretty typical. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Step one thing I remember being in the office in Host Analytics the last day of the quarter, the hot cookies, the hot chocolate chip cookies that would come. And it was like, it just was the energy of that last day. And, you know, everyone's like, when are the cookies coming? Yeah, very stressful. <laughs> very stressful. Very yeah. stressful, but high, high energy because everyone's working towards the common goal, right? And they want to make the target and the ding, ding, ing, ding, ding of the bell. And yeah, yeah, it's a Dana club. and I like to do that too, though, don't we? We have a virtual ding ding. Eat warm cookies <laughs> or ding the bell. <laughs> oh, both. All yes. of the above. All of the above. That's funny. So, Steph, when we were talking earlier, we like to really hit some of the oh shit moments, right? Because 
our listeners, I think they laugh. And I've heard from a lot of people that they've really enjoyed some of the stories that we've told. So I'm going to thank you ahead of time for, for some of the hilarious adventures that you've been on, specifically in the event space. You have a couple of good tales to tell. So do you mind sharing? Yeah, sure. I mean, yes, I think we've all had our fair share of aha moments, right? Um, especially, I think events is an easy target for sure, right? <laughs> <laughs> my favorite quote is, you know, if I can say this, is my favorite quote's always when your executive walks up to you at the uh, at the end of the first day or the end of the opening keynote session. Well, that went well. And then what they don't understand is what went on behind the scenes for the last 45 minutes when you're trying to keep it all together. I will tell you, I was actually pregnant with, I did mention this earlier, I was actually pregnant and they didn't know with my son. And of course, I had the worst morning sickness. At a conference? At a conference, at a user conference. Nobody knew. When you've got to be down the back running the production. And thankful for me, my production guy knew because he'd been my production partner for 10 years. So I trusted him implicitly, but I was like every 15 minutes I was running, I was running out. And like I had a, I had to go to the green room with a, with a bin and just throw up. And it's like, where where is she going? Like what's going on? And it's like, how do I keep my pregnancy contained and try and keep it all together and run production for an opening keynote? So but that wasn't a, like an aha moment, but it was just like, it's just these things that you have to deal with and, and people don't see it all going on behind the scenes. And I think that's what makes it a great event, right? When you don't see some of these mishaps, but let's talk about some of the mishaps, right? <laughs> Where do we want to start? Okay. So I'll probably start with, let's talk about losing a truckload of beanbags. I mean, not a box of stuff that's got to show up at the conference, right? Just a box of goodies, a truckload, right? Of bean bags, right? So we had branded bean bags scheduled to go to, maybe it was Nashville. I forget where it was, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It was supposed to be delivered somewhere. And these were bean bags. We got specifically branded with our logo with the sole purpose of providing extra seating, obviously on the show floor and around the different areas versus having your traditional furniture and stuff like that. And then obviously it's twofold, right? You get to bring them back to the office and throw them around the office foyer and things like that. Customers love to take that stuff home and you end up shipping them. I love yeah. this. People's idea. homes, right? And yeah. beanbags show up all over the country in people's homes. But listen, so we'd ordered a whole stack of beanbags and I'll never forget my events person, Veronica, coming to me going, we can't find the beanbags. We've lost the truckload of beanbags. And I won't mention which delivery company did that, but it's a well-known one with a tracking number and all. So somebody in the United States of America has a truckload of Host Analytics branded. You know, it's either been sold on the black market or they're in somebody's like big theater. You know how sometimes homes have these built-in big theater like their own private theater built in their homes, right? It's somebody selling them a marketplace down. Who knows? But somebody <laughs> had branded. Yeah. So, and it happened like I think two weeks before the event because you had to get stuff to the warehouse and things like that. And you had to, from a project timeline perspective, these things take time. You can't just like go, okay, we'll just go and get another 50 done. Right. Yeah. Right. It doesn't I mean, these work are like, like eight that. weeks, 10 weeks, yeah, 10, right? 12 I mean, weeks, a 12 yeah. weeks uh, lead time. So yeah, we ended up, I think going to Ikea or somewhere. I forget where we ended up going, 
buying a whole bunch of plain beanbags and I think slapping on a cling or something that we were able to get a sticker or something and that served the purpose. But yeah. And they never showed up. Never showed yeah. up. <laughs> I'm telling I'm you, a- somebody has a movie theater built in their home somewhere in the United States of America with 20-something beanbags strewn all over the floor. That's the only thing I could think of. But Keep your eyes out. Listeners, keep your eyes yeah. out. <laughs> and if you have them, don't let us know. I mean, not tragic. I mean, this hardly was tragic, guys. I mean, you can always, I mean, it was just a nice thing. How do you, I think we're always as event people trying to think of ways that we can do things a little bit different and creative and at these events and, and things like that. And the beanbag became, I think, synonymous with a lot of events over the years, right? It's that more casual, laid back kind of seating approach and things like that. And then customers love it. And then every employees love it. And then everyone wants a beanbag. I mean, and by the way, these things aren't easy to goddamn ship either. Do you know how big the goddamn <laughs> box is? Oh, yeah, I was going to say to ship around to they customers. They don't come individually <laughs> boxed, right? Like, So you've got that whole challenge. But that was one. The second one, so I'm known for having an event kit, I even had it on my wedding day. I was going to say, you're like the, what do they call that person that's supposed to help you on your wedding day? The wedding planner type thing. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, no, I even had it on, and I have one always in my house already packed, ready to go. But we would always create these event kits, even just to go to events and ship around. And they had everything you possibly could possibly want, right? You think of it, I've got it, right? And I've got it even for females and I've got it for men too, right? Like anything in this kit. So I think 15 minutes before my CEO was about to walk on stage for his opening keynote, he split his pants. (laughs) So there's one or two things. A, pack an extra pair of pants. That's right. But sometimes you don't have 15 minutes to run all the way to his room because you're Especially if we're in Vegas. If you're in Vegas, it takes 15 minutes just to find the elevators, right? There's that. But I always used, I mean, of course, in my event kit is my little sewing kit, right? So I'm quite good at sewing. So drop your dax. I've seen it all. (laughs) Give me a pants. I got to sew them up, right? And then quick, you're on stage in 15 minutes. Buttons are another one. Everyone's losing a button, right? (laughs) You're losing a button or you have a wardrobe malfunction of some sort. So that's happened many a time, which is why I always have this kit handy for all sorts of mishaps. So that was that one. Shall I keep going, ladies? Yes, yeah, <laughs> this is, I, I, this I is know great. you've got a couple couple more good ones, but I think the underlying theme here, Steph, is be prepared because shit will hit the fan. There will be surprises. You got to be prepared. You got to pivot and you can't let them see you sweat. <laughs> well, especially in events, I don't think people realize yeah. how high stress events are. I mean, like- It's the third highest behind firemen yes. and policemen, I think, it's, on the on the Really? yes. There is a, I think it is, I forget what it is this year, maybe, but it's either the third or fourth highest stressful job that you can have after our, obviously our EMTs and things like that, right? I mean, obviously with COVID, we're probably, maybe we're even more stressed. I don't know. Yeah, right. It's so true. And I mean, I remember like not sleeping, like, I mean, like you didn't sleep, not because I couldn't sleep, but because there's so much to do before an event like that moments, like anybody who's planned a wedding, it's like, 10 weddings in three days, right? I mean, that you're planning with a team and never enough team members to do it all. And I mean, like the moment those events are done, you just want to crash, right? It's like, 
I'm going to have my glass of wine and I'm just going to go to bed and sleep for five days because it's exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. You're on and there's a lot riding on things. And, and I think, like I said earlier, right, I think you've got to have a great team of people to work with, right? A great bunch of vendors that support you, whether it's production, it's third party, it's, it's whatever, right? But I think the best events are those that you have these aha shit moments, right? That nobody knows happened. Right. And even if they do happen and people see it, it's how you react to them, which like brings me to my next one, which was the power outage. Right. Let's talk about we were at an event, one day event in I think it was Dallas, Texas. Now, I had never seen storms like I've seen in Texas. Right. But this thing started at like nine o'clock in the morning and it just happened to come down. This big thunderstorm, electrical storm happened just as opening keynote. It was starting while the power went out, the hotel, everything went out. There was no generator that was going to kick in for the first 45 minutes or whatever it is. So what the hell do you do, right? There's no PowerPoint slides. There's no microphone. Is it dark in there too, Steph? Like was it, or was there some emergency lighting probably? Well, I think, yeah, you've got basic lighting, right? But I mean, it's more than like, oh, oh, I don't have slides anymore, which is what I always tell my executives or speakers, like know your content, worry less about the scripted part and about the slides and know your content for those moments that something will happen and you've got to keep going. That's why I love those keynote speakers that don't come with the slides or the video production that accompanies them. They speak from the heart or they speak from, from what they know, right? Because they're not relying on slides. They're not relying and they can keep talking regardless of what's going on around them. So, you know, that's the toughest thing for us as events people is when those things, which are totally, I mean, you can't have your CEO yell at you because the power went out. I mean, it's out of your control. But I think what you can plan for is if that happens, what do you do, right? It's really about understanding all the scenarios that could possibly happen, right? And it's also our reaction, right? Like I think as marketers, what we're all really skilled at is not the overreaction. It's we're we're so able to pivot. It's the turn of a dime and go, okay, well, now I've got to do this or I've got to do that. And it's not the freak out. Who has time to freak out, right? But there's some people do though. And so I think if I could give a piece of advice, especially for young people who probably don't have the experience like some of us who are veterans have been around since Adam was a boy, you know, it's like you've got to just build that kind of resilience up a little bit, right? And it's okay to have those moments of stuff went wrong because I think it's also a learning opportunity, right? So for young people who don't have that experience probably don't react how we would probably react in a scenario like that. So if you're out there listening, it's okay sometimes to have these aha moments because they're a learning opportunity and it's how you react to them. Yeah. And that's why postmortems are so helpful after big events, right? Because you can document and, and memorialize kind of what happened and let's remember next year to plan for that in case this scenario happens again. I think that's a really valuable step that we want to make sure people don't skip. Yeah. And just understanding what went wrong, what went well too, right? I think we hear the word postmortem and we think it's all, it's like what worked, what didn't, and, and how do we go forward? And, and that should be for everything we all do. Yeah. We do that with right? every, every show that we do, regardless of whether it's a simple field event, mixology event, small breakfast event through to a trade show execution and beyond that. Right. I mean, even analyst event, uh, Carrie, 
it's what what could we do a little differently next time? What worked? What didn't work? Type thing. Right. Was there enough wine for Carrie? That's the question. <laughs> the answer is always yes. For anyone, really. <laughs> Steph always makes sure there's enough wine. <laughs> well, but I know, Steph, you're really good at this, too. The one thing I always learned when doing events is it's the little things people remember. So it's the little touches you do. It's the little, it's the details. It's not the big key. I mean, yeah, if you have a really cool keynote, maybe. But it's the little giveaways that you have or you thought about making sure that Maybe there was an early session for a group of people and you made sure there was coffee and something out for them. So they weren't. And I mean, it's all those little things that go into it that I think makes a difference between an okay event planner and a great event planner when when we're doing it. Because I don't know how many times we've come to you and said, oh, you thought of this or that. And they're just things that kind of move the dial when we're looking at events. Yeah, I think if you, and this all stems into Knowing your customer, knowing your attendee or knowing your audience sometimes. I mean, we do some simple things like if we have our top customers or however you define who your top customers are, right, just having a little something in their room when they check in, right, that says thank you for being number one, our customer, but thank you for all that you do, right? And it can be as simple as that to just acknowledging them. I mean, I love nothing more than talk about signage and we'll come to that aha moment. But from a signage perspective, right, I make a point of even taking headshots of customers. So A, they get their headshot, professional headshot given to them. But B, you don't even tell them you're doing this, but make a poster with their face on it and a quote on it and stick it up in a conference on a conference wall somewhere. And they walk past and they see themselves like on a, a big whatever it is, right? 10 feet by 12 feet banner and they go, wow, it's those little things, right? I mean, it doesn't cost much to do something like that, but it goes further. I mean, everyone wants to come to my customer event that I put on. And uh, <laughs> for the stuff goodies, stuff's got great no, goodies. No, it's not so much it's the goodies, goodies, it's just that over year, the year, we've built this really good customer event where we invite some press and analysts and customers along and it's just customers love it. And it's great. And I mean, because they feel loved, right? Yeah. I think that's, that's well, what that's you're saying. The, you're just having yeah. a good mm-hmm. dinner, but you're also putting people together, fostering that kind of networking and camaraderie between everyone. And then from a press and analyst perspective, it's not like we're there trying to force anything. It's just like casual conversations. And I think even the press and analysts really like that stuff too. It's not forced. It's not a forced interaction, controlled interaction. It's just a nice evening get together. Absolutely. So what about the signage? You, you mentioned <laughs> yeah, that. So I, think if I, I, I have a feeling there's a story there. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, imagine if I got the wrong face on the signage with the that wrong title. <laughs> I'm sure that's happened. No, I oh, think yeah. from an events perspective, obviously, if you're doing big events and things like that, signage is a critical component of that. And uh what I do say is, so always allow enough time to bump in, obviously, right? So whether it's three days before or how much you're willing to pay for that, for that bump in schedule ahead of time, but make sure you check your signage within the first hour of that bump in. So then if anything goes wrong, you've got 47 or, or 71 hours, depending on your bump in schedule to fix the problem, which I'm glad we did because yeah, we, they had printed the wrong file of signage. Like so from version a control, right? Or something or? so like all of the hang everything. Yeah, banners and things like that. So it's more about version control, right? So it's it's why you should always double, triple check. 
but obviously you can't check on their end. So, so when you send the final, final file, that's why you label it final, final, <laughs> final, 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 final. <laughs> and double check that they've got the final, finals, and that's the oh one that's got. Gosh. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the challenging thing, right? Because you do, and this is like having a plan ahead of time. So when you're working with your vendors, so scenario A is okay. We show up and obviously all the wrong signage has been printed or some signage. What's the backup plan, guys? How do you deal with this on site when we're not at a local, you're in your home city or whatever it is? So needless to say, my corporate credit card gets smoking. Budget <laughs> <laughs> oh, goes out the door at that point. Yeah, I mean, the, good news, the, is, the good news is, is like your customers aren't seeing that. Some of the executives have oblivious to all this stuff that's going on behind the scenes, right? So again, it comes back to having great vendors to work with, doing your kind of post-mortem or having your backup plans, right? So what happens if this happens? And, you know, so, I mean, that's how we learn, right? It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to screw up occasionally. Well, I think that's the point, right? Is we've been talking through this whole season is we have to fail to learn. And that's where, you know, if you never fail, you never learn anything. And that's where, like, if you look at all the points in our career where we've made these mistakes, you're like, okay, I won't be doing that again. Right. I mean, and you, and some of them are big enough that you go, I'm really never going to do that again. That was a pretty big fuck up. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. I mean, yeah. Especially if you get told don't come to work Monday. Right. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. You're never going to do that again, right? I mean, no. you know, I mean, one of my favorite CEOs always said to me, we live in a learn. I think culturally, if you work in an organization where you have that ability to make mistakes and it's okay, I think that's important. The CEO, I said, you know, if it was, I said to him once, I said, you know, if I worked at this company where I worked at, that would probably be a fireable offense. He goes, that's why you work here. And he goes, because we make mistakes. It's a learning environment. He said, but you won't go make that again, right? And that's okay. So I think, again, for all the youngsters out there that are probably listening in, take that on on board, right? That's the type of person or company or team you want to go work for, right? Because super important. And then the other thing to think too is I'm a big planner, right? You know this, girls. Love (laughs) the plan, right? (laughs) What I tell everyone, anyone works for me, what's your plan? How are we going to do it? So it's all about building the right plan, right? So build the plan, you work the plan, obviously you're going to tweak it along the way and you're going to achieve it, but you're always going to have that plan, but you're always going to write the plan, work it, execute on it, achieve it. And obviously you're going to do some tweaking and success is not just about the arrow going up. It's the journey along the way. So yeah, I think that that's great because it's, it's so true. It's, it's all of the pieces that make us who we are as, as marketers and just people. So yeah. And we can't take ourselves too seriously, right? Cause we're not curing cancer, right? So at the end of the day, we really have to just do our best and show up and learn from what we've done. Yeah. Nothing is more rewarding than he, so if you think about your event, right? So if it's an internal event, Obviously, you're doing a sales kickoff event. Obviously, you're catering to all our lovely salespeople, right? So nothing is more rewarding than having an email or a text message or a big hug from a sales guy that said, that's one of the best sales kickoffs we've had, or thank you for all that you do, because we know that we know what you're doing behind the scenes, right? So that acknowledgement. So I think that's always fun too. But then on the 
on the other side, it's like the customers, right? I mean, nothing's nothing's more rewarding and fulfilling where, I mean, you've built relationships with customers and then over time, and especially when you do these events for them, is that they see value in it, right? They want to come back and they're excited by it, right? So I think that's why we do what we do. Yeah, I would agree. That's the warm and fuzzy you get from an event afterwards and just feeling the success. And and it's why event people keep coming back and doing events, right? Because it's that, they say it's what happens after you exercise too, but I don't do that enough. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Well, we're not exercise instructors, are we? So it's like, there you go. A plan events instead, right? Oh, I love that. How many steps? Have you ever counted your steps? An event? When you worked an event? Oh, yeah. That's always a fun thing to do. And some events get a little competitive too, right? Where you're like, I haven't done enough steps today. You have, yeah. (laughs) I love it. And just just adding a plug for Fitbit. Fitbit is a client, so. Love Fitbit. (laughs) We love Fitbit for sure. Well, this is great stuff. Um, a lot of super fun stuff. So let's pivot here and maybe share some of the stuff that you're working on now. What something exciting that you've got cooking as you look forward the next couple quarters? I think it's always exciting, right? I mean, I think your job is what you make of it, right? So I think there's always the the everyday kind of stuff that keeps, you know, it's the drumbeat, right? That's the stuff that you move along. I mean, you guys know. You've been working alongside me for some time now. So it goes in peaks and troughs, right? I think one of the most exciting things that we did was our marketing workshop. So my goal is to roll that out again to a group of our, to make that available for partners. It was stuff, it was something that obviously I wanted to do two years ago, then COVID happened. So we shifted and we did a webinar series, but then we got to do our in-person marketing workshop in November of last year which are uh, exciting to say that I'm sitting down with partners looking at their finished marketing plans, yay! which is like, yay, <laughs> it's like, woo, build the plan. Now you that get to work. That was your vision, right? yeah. Steph. You knew exactly where you wanted them to yeah, be. Yeah, so That's I think awesome. love to get that kicked off again. I'm planning on going back to Australia in March, first time in two years to see family and friends. So I really want to take that time off in March to go do that, I think. My family deserve that. My friends deserve that. I deserve that. And my little five-year-old certainly deserves that. And then I think so So excited to, to maybe kick another workshop off in uh, April, May when I come back. So that's kind of fun. So that's helping, obviously helping teaching partners how to be better marketing folks. I always find that exciting. So Steph, you guys, and I've told you this before, but I'll say it here too. I have never worked with a company who pays so much attention to that and does such a good job of it, right? I mean, most toss over the leads and expect partners to try and figure it out. And I mean, just as a, for you guys to, I mean, like, it's amazing what you and your team do to help support them. And really the level of which you're willing to go to teach them to become marketers is got to be so appreciated by the partners. Cause I just, oh, they love we it. don't see it yeah. in other companies. We don't yeah. see it. Nobody wants to take that time. You know, they're, they're a CEO and they do X or this is what they specialize in here. And so to teach them marketing and actually give them the tools they need to also do it and not just throw stuff at them. I mean, it's a huge thing. I think it's the fun side of the job, I think, right? I mean, again, it's make of it what you want of the role. I don't have to do that, but I see it as an opportunity, you know, and I think it's refreshing 
when you do something like that, you get some really great feedback and you get to see it actually in action. So that's one of the things I'm working on. Obviously, Anna's relations, I'm in RFI hell right now, Carrie. <laughs> Thankfully, it's not someone we know is RFI. But analyst relations is a huge part of my role and what's important at Sage. And, you know, there's a lot of RFIs coming down the pipe. So I got to get them all done before I leave for Australia. It's a lot right now. So we're deeply entrenched in the RFI stuff for analyst relations, but also trying to keep the lights on. And we've got lots of exciting product news and company news. So it's always making sure you continue what I think is one of the best analyst relations programs we have. So keeping that going, you know, not to be discounted of customers. I love the customer aspect of my job. So we're continuously writing case studies and content. And we just came out of our Transform User Conference and we recorded videos, in-person videos at the conference for the first time in two years. So we just came out of editing all of those. So we've got fresh new video content, our customers, which is exciting. And then I think from a field events and trade show perspective, it, it's COVID, we kind of, everything kind of disappeared, right? We had to find out new ways of doing things. Even our vendors struggled with how do they go and deliver their, what was always in-person trade shows. We've had a lot of hits, a lot of misses from a sponsorship perspective and what makes a program great from a virtual sponsorship perspective and things like that. So I feel like we're ready. I hope we're out the other end now. I hope so, you know, right? So Same. there's a lot of kind of events coming back in person. We've seen a lot of events kind of sit on, like, do we go in person? Do we go virtual? Do we go hybrid? Like, I think hybrid's here to stay. I think if you're not building that into your event strategy, you need to be. But people also want to be back in person too. And I think it's finding that balance, right? So maybe... The pendulum swung so far in the other direction and then it swung so far in this direction, we've got to find a nice little happy medium now about how do we deliver that, those experiences for whoever they are, whether it's prospects and customers or internally, et cetera. So, yeah. So lots. lots there's never a dull moment. Yes. Ooh. Should I be doing more, ladies? No, I, I think not. I think you got to be a mother of five-year-old. Yeah. I was making pancakes at breakfast yesterday morning for Valentine's Day. Did I, you mean, you, I made heart-shaped, uh, we made heart-shaped French toast, which was a little easier than pancakes. I cheated a little. Well, and Steph, you also live on, on a ranch, right? So you've got your chickens, got your chickens. you've got all your... You're doing canning your garden and your too. Gar- yeah. 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 I think that's the important thing is making sure we all have a work-life balance, right? So I think if, if yeah, it's finding that balance. I mean, there's a time and place for everything. And I think you've got to make sure you do do that. Yeah. I think we both agree with that. Yeah. All right. So Steph, it's the last, last time we're going to ask this, this season. So all the pressure's on you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> for this last question. What's the question, ladies? <laughs> the question, what advice, looking back now, would you have given your 20-year-old self knowing what you know now? And it can be personal, it can be work-related, it can be whatever you're feeling. I probably have a lot of advice I'd like to give my 20-year-old self. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both. I'm not sure I probably would have moved to America when I did. No, I'm not joking. No, look, I'll, I'll throw a few things out there. I love nothing more than managing people and mentoring if I get the opportunity to mentor, which is why I love being part of like the SEMA association because I love to nurture the next generation of of event marketers, for example, something I'm passionate about. 
I mean, I, I think I've probably taken as interns a lot of my CEOs or friends, sons and daughters over the years to intern for me. And I love watching their career paths blossom and flourish and give them advice. But if I think about it, I probably, I will start here. Building things is always a thing for me. I love building things, right? So I think don't spend time working on other people's visions and being in other people's meetings, own your own destiny, right? So because otherwise you're just going to be doing other person's stuff or being in other person's meetings, right? You're not going to be doing your own stuff. So that's what I love about you girls, right? I mean, you go out there and you go build great things. So you've certainly inspired me. And that's what I would tell somebody in their 20s, right? So it's okay to work on somebody's vision and be part of other people's meetings, but go build things yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So that's good. I don't think you need a title to be a leader. That would right? That's a good one. Action, shout, words, whisper, right? So don't wait, just do it, right? You don't have to be a VP of corporate marketing to be a leader. Anyone can be a leader, right? So I think you've just got to want that and you can find ways to lead and it may not be leading a team, but it may be leading something over here that you're passionate about, or maybe it's leading a gardening workshop in your community that, I don't know, brings the whole community together to build, to grow fresh fruit and vegetables. I don't know, but I think there's ways that you can do that. But if you action shout, words whisper. So think about that. That would give me goosebumps. (laughs) Mentors. I recommend you find yourself a mentor or two or three. I sat down for drinks last week with my former CEO, who I consider a good friend and mentor. I always sit down with him occasionally and I I go, hey, this is how I'm feeling. What do you think? I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? I really think it's important to have people to bounce ideas off, to bounce maybe career opportunities off, maybe personal situations off. I mean, I think it's always good to have those people walking alongside you on on the journey. And I think last but not least, go on the adventure of a lifetime. Love that. Mm-hmm. Embrace many risk. adventures of a lifetime. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Embrace risk, back yourself, open your aperture, look farther and wider. There's so many possibilities. Avoid the herd and just be open to opportunities because you will have one hell of a ride. You will go on the adventure of your lifetime. And that may be personally professionally, both, whatever it is that you want. Well, oh, that's, that's a inspiring. great way to end the yeah. season, Carrie. <laughs> yeah, it's, we're, we're, we're a wrap with that, Steph. You definitely hit that one on the head. That was fantastic. Great. Yeah, so yeah. this has been fun. I really appreciate it. Yes, it's always so much fun with you. Next time we'll be in person drinking bubbles, and right? Yes. 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 <laughs> Very much so. Looking forward to it. Okay. All right. Thank great, you. Guys. Thanks for joining. Love having the conversation with you all and everyone have a great day. Bye-bye. See ya. And that's as real as it's getting with this episode. Thanks for joining hosts Dana Harder and Carrie Baldwin with Unreal Digital Group. And this podcast, Marketing Gets Real, where we get rid of the filters and chat with B2B marketers about real-life stories of successes, failures, and everyday adventures. If you're loving these oh shit, tell it how it is type of conversations, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time.